Well, hi again, everybody. It's another edition of the Grobecast. I am here in my office uh, in the corner of uh, South 29 Road and M55 West, busy M55 West. I've been in here most of the day doing stuff, and, and traffic is just, I think, 10 cars have come down. More than that. <laughs> M55, something's going on in Manistee or somewhere. They've been going back and forth. And the big city man who yep. has made the transition from uh, Fargo, Moorhead, Hey, listen, yep. I live in Moorhead, Kentucky, by the way. I oh, know. yeah. Yeah. When Every time you say Fargo, Moorhead, I think of Moorhead there. But uh, my my friend, and I say my friend, usually when I introduce people as a friend, we've been friends for like years. I've known John about a month, and yep. this is actually the longest interaction we've had to 20 minutes setting the podcast up here. But uh, John Hauser, John, how are you today? I am good, Brian, and I love making friends quickly. And so, uh, hey, we're new friends, but friends indeed, and and brothers in the Lord for sure. Amen to that. Amen to that. John um, has been, as we record this, this will come out a little bit later after we record it, but he's been investing in us pastors on the Northern Michigan uh, Church of the Nazarene District. Our DS, Dan Gilmore, has uh, thought enough of us to uh, enlist his help with leadership. And today was our second Wednesday on Zoom. We had about 90 minutes with John. Uh, not, not, 90 minutes is not enough, I want to say, because we've learned. I got I got cramps in my hands trying to write quick enough with all that he shared with us. If you look right there, America, you see the smile on his face. I think he's probably asleep with that smile because he loves Jesus. He loves his family. He loves what he does and loves where he is. And so that, that's an infectious smile. It makes me realize I need to smile more probably. Yeah. Um, I, I love seeing people who are, who are where they need to be in the Lord. John started um, the Prairie Heights Community Church over 20 years ago. Uh, as a church plant. John, I want you to take it from there. Give us your, you've told, uh, I think you shared the video with us the other week, but yeah. you know, in, in, in 30 seconds or less, tell us how you, how you were born, came to know Christ, started the church. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> you, your starting ministry and how, yeah. how it started there at Prairie Heights. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, I'll just start with this. My family tree, uh, Brian, is full of preachers and teachers. I was very blessed to receive Christ as my savior. Uh, there's a little Nazarene church in Williston, North Dakota, literally five people on Sunday mornings, including the pastor and his wife, and they decided to have a Bible school. My grandma was one of the five people in attendance every Sunday. She invited me to this Bible school and uh, share that story sometime, but God uh, changed my life and I'm so grateful, so thankful. Uh, I had a lot of anger. My dad died when I was young. I had a lot of, I, was I had a speech problem. I was very withdrawn. And uh, there was a group of teenagers that came from another city, and they just loved me. And uh, I, they, first they included me, and then the pastor, uh, when he gave uh, a lesson about either you're living on Christ's team or you're not, and he used baseball, and that was my talk. I love baseball. And so he talked about just like baseball, you're on one team or the other. And he said, you're either on God's team or you're on Satan's team. And then he shared with us, and I'm like, holy cow, I knew it even as a little kid. And I was like, I want to be on God's team. And so that connected with me. So, but I said, God, I'll do anything other than be a preacher or a teacher. I, I can't speak in front of people. Uh, I just can't do it. And so I ended up studying engineering. And uh, my last year of college, God laid on my heart that he was preparing me or I needed to prepare for some sort of ministry. Still never saw myself uh, as a senior pastor, never saw myself as a church planter. But uh, we got married, uh, moved to Kansas City, went to seminary, ended up staying. I, was, I studied electrical engineering, ended up staying in engineering after seminary. And people are like, what are you doing? Well, there was a church plant up in uh, the north side of Minneapolis. God opened some doors for me to stay in engineering and to be a part of a church plant. And Brian, it was just the coolest thing. It was like real world people. I, I tell you a quick story. I mean, I remember one of our greeters, his name was Dave. He was a fireman and then he put in sprinklers in people's homes and uh, he, I, he had a coffee cup uh, as he's greeting people and I thought he was drinking coffee. <laughs> Come to find out he chewed snooze and he was spitting in his coffee cup. But okay. I just remember, yeah, yeah, I'm like, and I just remember thinking that's the sort of church I love being a part of. I grew up where you kind of had to have it all figured out and hey, and I get it, there's spiritual growth and spiritual progress, absolutely. But what's it like when we just include people and involve them wherever they're at on the spiritual continuum? I mean, if you are friendly, and Dave was a super friendly guy, he made people feel welcome. 
uh, I think he had, he had received Christ, but he was very raw in his journey. And I just remember thinking, I love that. Thank you, God, that uh, we had an opportunity to be a church uh, like that. Well, one day we were driving on interstate through Fargo, it's 250 miles away. And the idea came in my mind, wouldn't it be fun to start a new church? And I don't know where it came from. Uh, come to find out, we do know it's from God. And I heard it out before thinking, and my wife said, oh, yeah, that, that'd be great. And that was it. <laughs> and then a year later, uh, uh, we had a new DS uh, in North and South Dakota. He had actually done our wedding seven years previously. And he said, John, I just see a need. Uh, you know, Fargo, honestly, at the time, was one of the only growing cities in North Dakota. Um, and uh, this was in 1998 at this point. And he said, uh, every time I come to Fargo, I see new homes, I see more and more people, and I think there's a need for a, for a new church, new churches. And uh, he said, would you ever consider? And I'm like, oh my goodness, it was a year ago when that thought popped in my brain. And, uh, you know, Brian, so I told him, I said, I tell you what, I knew you needed to go to an assessment if you're going to plant a church. So I said, what I will do is I will go to an assessment. And there was a part of me. Uh, my wife and I were almost hoping they'd give us a thumbs down because then we'd be like, hey, see God? Because <laughs> we loved it. We were we were literally living the American dream. Uh, I had a great job. Uh, we had just bought our first house. Our son uh, had just been born. Um, we loved the church that we were a part of. We were volunteers. My wife volunteered a lot. I volunteered a lot. And we just loved it. And uh, ended up going to assessment and we got a thumbs up. And from there uh, in 2000, we... Uh, quit our jobs, loaded up a U-Haul, and, and off we went to Fargo. Uh, started with just the three of us, my wife and my son and I. Um, I love telling people it was the ultimate simple church. One would preach, one would sing a special, the other would receive the offering, and the next week we just rotate. It was, we had it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and what I've discovered, quite frankly, our goal was never to be a I don't even like these terms, but we kind of get them. A small church, a medium-sized, or a large church. Our goal, from the depth, God had clearly called us to reach one more person. And what I discovered is when you continue to reach one more, uh, the church grows. And as it grows, uh, in our case, it did. Uh, it, 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 grew, it grew quite large. But the goal was never to be any certain size. It was to love one more person and help one more person find Christ. It, which is the simple plan of the gospel, just one more. There's always room for yeah. one more, right? And I think this yeah. is what's driven me crazy as long as I've been in it. And I I had to go through my time of that to get get away from numbers. You, I think yeah. you want to be successful. I wanted my family to be proud of me. You know, I wanted, yeah. obviously, the Lord. But it's about souls, you know, not all the rest of that stuff. When it's healthy, you've said that. Uh, yeah. When it's healthy, it'll grow. And so with yeah. you, you made a commitment, though, didn't you, to Fargo when you went there? You know, we did. And this is just kind of how I think, you know, honestly, Brian, I'm not the, uh, <laughs> I'm not the flashiest guy in town. Never have been, never will be. I'm not the you guy. That, I mean, you look good to me, man. <laughs> I'm the guy though. God has taught me that I am the guy, the longer I'm around, uh, the more people like me. I, I just kind of blend in <laughs> okay. and I just, and I just kind of fit. And so uh, our strength, I knew that uh, this was going to have to be a long-term commitment because it wasn't going to just be us coming in and the thing was just going to boom from the beginning. Um, and so my wife and I uh, told the DS at the time, and he never asked for this. In fact, he, he just invited us. We said, uh, we're going to give you 10 years of our life. And if the church didn't make it, uh, I was going to keep working and we were just going to try and reach a neighbor. Uh, I, I truly, truly, Brian went with God help us to reach one person. And yeah. if it takes us 10 years to reach one person, uh, and I'll even say, you know what, I was also very driven and I get the whole, I mean, I love seeing progress. I love seeing growth. Um, and I think that's, you know what, some of us were wired that way and we, we shouldn't, that's how we're wired and we're okay. At the same time, uh, I truly believe that success is in obedience. Uh, the fact that God, God laid this on our heart, he made it really clear and we obeyed. Uh, the moment we loaded our van and we landed in Fargo, uh, that was success. Success was obedience. It wasn't in the results, the fruit of the ministry. Um, and at the same time, we did say, you know what, God, uh, we're going to be here for 10 years. <laughs> and so a minimum of 10 years. And God, if you 
if you would help us reach one person. And so that was really the mindset. And, and we used to joke with our DS, like at about year seven or eight, we're like, remember, we gave you a 10 year commitment. Um, but honestly, Brian, in my mind at about year seven, eight, nine, I, I realized that I, you know, I needed to be in uh, for another 10 year run. And, and, uh, and we were there for almost another 10 uh, when God became really clear that it was, you know, that we had given what he had asked us to give. Uh, we had accomplished what he asked us to, to do. And, and so, yeah, so that was our, uh, that was our mindset. Uh, I'll tell you one quick thing, if I can, about church planting. Uh, I know that's one topic. Uh, the, the phrase that God kind of uh, taught me during that season was, uh, for a church plant, it needs to be the right person in the right place with the right people for the right purpose, with the right plan. There's five P's. <laughs> I'm writing them all down right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's true. In fact, you show me a church plant that, um, you know, that either didn't get off the ground or it, it kind of started and then it, it, it didn't uh, maybe continue. It, yeah. it starts with God, am I, have you given me those entrepreneurial gifts? Have you wired me to start something new? And there's nothing wrong with, and so that's why you go to assessment. Uh, there's nothing wrong if they would have looked at us and said, hey, John, you are a, you're a great Christian, uh, gifted leader, um, pastor in existing church. That's what God's called you to do, or be a youth pastor. There's nothing. We need all sorts of pastors to reach all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, at the same time, to start a new church, there are some, some unique skills that... Uh, People way smarter than me have discerned that there are some, and one of them is some entrepreneurial. Uh, you need to kind of be able to envision something when you don't see it. And uh, anyway, so there are some unique skill set, and so that right person. And of course, they did a deep dive, honestly. They did a really deep dive into our marriage, into our finances. It's no different than if you're going to send someone into a mission field, it's uh <laughs> yeah. you're you're getting close to the fire so to speak and it's going to be and so uh they did a really deep dive into our family and and you know just a number of things and i'm thankful for that um and that's and so learned in the last little bit sorry to interrupt you because no, no. you brought a point up that i hadn't thought about that i want to dig into because the, the difference i passed through an existing church i come in with fresh set of eyes but i still come in to these people they they've had it here before me and i appreciate that you're digging up a new garden, yeah. brand new green grass. You're bringing in the tiller. Starting yeah. what? What would be the differences? And you said entrepreneurial, which I get, and I think that's yeah. very key. But yeah. if you could look at somebody, you're trying to tell me, okay, Brian, here's the difference in planting and, and taking over something. Yeah. What, what's those key things? Yeah, I think it's the. Uh, can you first of all, can you connect with unchurched people? Mm -hmm. um, can you uh, can you mingle with folks and um, you know, what I found is some people that have journeyed with the Lord for many years, they, they start talking differently. They start, yes, we should think differently for sure. Yeah. But can, can you think in terms of my, my, law, my neighbor that has no spiritual background, what is he or she processing? What, you know, so can you connect with people that uh, kind of what I would call just real world people that are, are far from God? Uh, so those connection skills, I think the whole grit and determination can you give your life, um, can you give two, three, four, five years without seeing a lot of fruit? And, mm. and, and honestly, the craziest thing, Brian, is, is I still remember, you know, I'm working in engineering, so I'm working with drawings and details and specs and equipment. And part of the, you know, God, I knew God called me to work with people more than he did with drawings and specifications. And so I become a pastor and here I sit in this office by myself day after day because there was no church. <laughs> there were no people. And I, I just remember days thinking like, this is crazy. I, I, I'm actually around people less. So, I mean, yep, you had to schedule coffees. In fact, uh, my, my most spiritual moment is we had a post office box. And that was like my highlight. Every day I would go to that P.O. box. And I'd, even if I got like a piece of junk mail, I'm like, yes, we, there is something here, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so yes, it's that, I would say it's that, uh, uh, it's that grit, you know, that it sometimes takes, uh, it's just a different skill set when you're trying to, like you said, plow new ground and, and, and dig it up from the start. Um, there's, there's a grit, a visioning capacity for sure. You know, yeah. are they a person that when they, um, 
that was really I, I, the one thing God gave me was high passion for this. And we had more people that would be like, you know, John, I don't ever want to come to your church, but dude, you're sure excited about it. <laughs> In fact, I still remember the gal that cut my hair, you know, she would always ask me, uh, and she was a lifetime Catholic. And she goes, John, if I ever came to your church and my mom found out, I probably wouldn't be welcome at Christmas or Easter anymore. But she would always be so, so what have you done lately, you know, at, at Prairie Heights? And, and so Brian also, I think the creativity, or you at least have to find those creative people. Uh, we just did crazy stuff, quite frankly. Uh, I call it youth ministry for adults. You know, we did, I mean, sometimes we do eating contests. We would do just crazy videos and just, we wanted to make it uh, highly relational and uh, uh, energetic. There was always a lot of excitement. And, uh, and just where sometimes people would scratch their head and be like, am I? is this really church? Like <laughs> not changing the method message. Right. But uh, it's exactly what we do for youth. Let's be honest. What do we do for youth? We, we paint the room crazy and we have bathtubs that they sit in when they come to youth group and we're totally fine with, and you know, we do goofy games and like uh, uh, one Sunday I, I did a Rubik's cube and I, and as I'm preaching, I worked on it and I, I used I used a lot of props and illustrations and just things to make it engaging. And uh, and then we went out in the community a lot. Um, as far as I know, at the time, we were one of the first churches when there were only a handful of us, we would just go out, we'd put quarters in uh, machines at the car wash and we'd vacuum people's cars for them. Uh, we would go out to where there were like uh, little league baseball and football games and we'd make uh, lemonade and, and or hand out water bottles. We were just, and it wasn't even to let them know that sometimes we maybe we'd always wear shirts, but it was really, I wanted people around me that truly had a love for people that were far from God. And I'll still remember we were doing a, we used to, we learned that if you do free car wash, we used to do car washes. If you do free car wash, people are anticipating, they think it's a fundraiser. So they, they try and give you money for, you know, to go to youth camp or something. And we're like, no, it's just free. And what we found is that if you do a dollar car wash, people feel so much better. They feel like, okay, I paid you a dollar. So we're, we're even in our part of the, in the upper Midwest and probably Michigan, we like, if you buy me lunch, Hey, I'll buy lunch next time. We like to stay even with people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we did these dollar car wash, but I, I'll never forget. We had a couple of uh, lifetime Nazarene. Uh, they were about my age, uh, same age. So we were in our early, well, I was 33 when we moved to Fargo. So we were about 30, 34, 35 at the time. And anyway, uh, this car pulls up as a young guy. And, uh, uh, and so the, this was a couple uh, that was doing the car wash. They were part of our launch team. And uh, they were talking to people as they came in. And so what we did is, the, the launch team for the church, we focused on meeting the people. And then I brought people from on the district to come and actually wash the cars. Okay. So does that make sense? Because we only had 10 people in the church. Yeah, you can't <laughs> so, have all of them doing the car wash part and talk, right? No, that's exactly right. And so what we did is we were the ones that would visit with them. You know, we wanted a line. We didn't want them to wait an hour, but we loved if they had to wait 20 minutes, 15, because then we would visit with them. And actually, that's how we would ask them about, hey, why do you think people don't go to, you know, 70,000 people here in our town don't go to church? Why do you think they don't go to church? And, and so we would, or we would just ask them, you know, we're a new church in town. What, what needs do you see? Oh, man, daycare is a problem. You know, we just listened and talked. Anyway, sure. so the, this, this young guy drives up. Uh, with another uh, a guy, two dudes in a car, and he rolls down the window, and quite frankly, you could smell the aroma of, of pot coming out of his car. He had a shirt on with, uh, I can't think of the name of the gal, but uh, very scantily clothed gal on his shirt with kind of a vulgar statement, and I just sat and watched. I'm like, okay, here are these lifetime kind of church people. <laughs> Uh, I've asked them to just have conversation <laughs> with this guy that probably was very, uh, had a very different life than they probably ever had. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was just fun, man. I, I watched as they just, you know, asked them, Hey, who's tell me about your shirt. <laughs> you know, And so he, uh, she was a famous singer back. I just can't remember anyway, I got but it was just interesting, you know, and I tell you what, man, 
after uh, we washed his car and it was just great. And I went up to actually, uh, I went up to this couple and I said, hey, I'm so proud of you guys. I said, I know that guy was living a life very differently than you probably have ever experienced. And they kind of smiled, but I said, you know what? You just showed him respect and you just showed that he was no different than if he would have been the CEO of the largest company in town. And yeah. so Brian, frankly, I'll just tell you, I didn't want what I call pew potatoes, the people that sit in the pews every Sunday. Amen. Amen. Go <laughs> I wanted us. I got you. Yeah. I wanted us to get closely. I wanted us to get close to the firing line. I wanted us to get close to the battle. Mm -hmm. I think when churches argue about carpet color and wearing masks and whatever the arguments might be, I think one reason is because they're bored. They're so far from the battle line. You know, my son is in the United States Army. He just went over, uh, he just did a deployment. He got home a year ago, okay. a little over a year ago. Um, and he honestly hasn't told me a lot, but I do know he had a couple of very, uh, for sure one close call. Mm. And uh, all he could focus on is he needed to get back. Uh, they had sent him out on a little mission. Uh, all he knew is that he needed to get back where those missiles could get deflected. And I'll guarantee you, uh, I don't know if, I think he was by himself, but either way, I'll guarantee you, he wasn't focusing on petty problems and issues. No. All he knew is I've got to get, I'm, he was at the battle line over in the Mideast and he needed to, he needed to protect his future, his life. <laughs> and yeah. so that was my dream for Prairie Heights is I wanted us always to stay close. I always wanted us to be a little bit uncomfortable, meaning we were hanging out with people and and I'll tell you, Brian, frankly, there were some Sundays that we tried some things and I'm like, whew, I don't know, God, this is way different. And I mean, it wasn't any immoral things. It was just church differently than what I had ever experienced before. But uh, just to wrap this up and then I'll, whatever direction you want to go, but you're fine. I made a decision early on and it, it's still where I'm at. Someday when I see Christ face to face, uh, as we all would, we'd love to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, sure. But I, I've always told people uh, since planting a church, I said, you know what, I would much rather when I see Jesus for him to say, you know, John, that one Sunday where you served popcorn during church, because <laughs> it was kickoff Sunday and the NFL season started. Okay. That's not exactly what I had in mind for my, for my gatherings. Um, and you know, John, you took risks on some people and, you know, you had some people leading a group or leading this, and man, they just spiritually, <laughs> they were a little rawer than maybe what I wanted. And I would much rather him, uh, I guess, lack a better word, maybe reprimand me for for trying something that, that was a little bit off of what he wanted than for him to look at me and say, John, I gave my life. I took a beating for people. Yeah. Why were you so afraid to try something to reach the people that I died for? Yeah. Uh, for me, that would be heartbreaking to know that the very mission that Jesus gave us to go and to make disciples, <laughs> to go into the culture, yeah. culture isn't our enemy. Yeah. We can leverage culture for good and for God. Yeah. So what can we go into the culture and love people and, and, and just be Christ in, in the flesh and, and not even say a word, but just be Christ? Yes. And, and, and can we lead them towards Jesus? And for someday him to say, you know what? You loved who I loved. <laughs> you gave your life for what I gave my life for. Mm -hmm. uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that's, there were always, we always had some uncomfortableness and we'd have conversations and there were times where I'd be like, Whew. but you know, I'll tell you what, the people we took risks on, oh my gracious, I saw growth in them. Sure. I saw, uh, I saw how God helped them to rise uh, to the occasion, and 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 we 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 had a blast together. We really did. So I can tell because I I hear the passion in your voice. It's like it just happened today. Those things that you're talking about. Um, and I just read today. I in my I do a Wednesday and Friday devotion that goes out on Facebook to the church. And today I just read in Numbers we're talking about um, for such a time as this with Esther and um, revival. You know, mindset. You have to have a different mindset for revival. So I have plays in a different mindset in starting a church from scratch, going and getting the least of these, uh, which the church should do anyway. But when Joshua said in Numbers, uh, he's talking to God through Moses, and Joshua's like, hey, that's our food in that land over there. They're the one that, that's where we're going to feast from. We're not worried about who they are and how they look. 
it's what we got to go do. And God said, you know, how long are they going to be afraid and not do what I tell them to do? You know, and as you're speaking that, we can't be afraid. And that, that's kind of where I'm at. It took me 52 years, John, to get there, but I'm finally here. Um, and I, that's why I love getting to hang out with people like you who have done it. And now you're talking about all those great things that happened. I watched your last two sermons you had at Prairie Heights today oh. in preparation for this today. Oh. And uh, it, what was it? The thing you were talking about the church should do completely was invite, grow, and serve. Yeah. That's a constant cycle there. Yeah. So even if it's a plant or an existing church or just a Christian, you're going to invite, you're going to grow with them and serve yeah. so they can yeah. come along and invite and grow. It's the yeah. whole commission there. It's um, exactly. Yeah. Prairie Heights exists to connect those apart from God with Christ and the church family. Yeah. We'll talk about that because I want to put that, I think that's your heart. Yeah. Now what you're doing now, explain to us, you know, God leading you away from there and what you're doing there in Kansas City. Yeah. The way, is that really behind you? Is that one of those uh, props behind you? No, this is this is my neighborhood. This is my neighbor Reggie uh, yep. and his wife. Uh, there's going to eventually be another house, but no, this is out on our deck. We are good. Yeah, we were kind of in a rural. I mean, we're we're up in the Northlands of Kansas City, and uh, interstate is oh man, uh, less than a mile away. But we're kind of in a hilly, treed area, and I don't know. For us from North Dakota, we feel like we're just kind of out in the kind of the country. In fact, there are horses. Uh, to the north of us, uh, there's cattle. Uh, the, a, a farmer was uh, was pulling off his first crop of of some wheat uh, last weekend, and we just love it. So, nice. yeah, this 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 is real. So, you know what, Brian, you said it so well, man. Uh, my wife and I are very clear that until the day we die, we want to help connect people to Christ in a church family. Uh, the way we're doing that is is differently. Right now, we aren't serving. Uh, leading a uh, particular local church, we felt like God was calling us to a season of, of investing in pastors and uh, inspiring and encouraging churches and district superintendents and, and, and just making ourselves available to, uh, uh, to further the ministry of, of a whole bunch of churches. Yeah. And so, yeah, for us, uh, God just made it really clear about five years into our marriage um, when Paul talked about, I become all things to all men to reach uh, as many as possible. And, he, and then Paul said, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may participate uh, in its blessings and the blessings of the gospel. Sure. And God, uh, once again, individually, my wife and I sat down one night and our pastor had preached on that passage. I'm so bad. I'm great at looking up scripture. I'm horrible at remembering. I think it's first Corinthians chapter nine, verse 19 through 23 but my well, pastor had cool after a while doesn't it i got you yeah it I does <laughs> and i'm so good at googling and i can find scripture like crazy but just to remember the references as i understand i understand so, but i do believe it's first corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 but um our pastor had preached on that and uh we were in that season you know transition seasons are an amazing opportunity to to really kind of ask yourself who am I and why do I do what I do? We want to know the what, like, okay, what's next? And my wife and I, we so much wanted, we were wrapping up. I was about ready to finish seminary. And of course, everyone at our church was like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And so we were so focused on the what. And what I've realized is sometimes during when we're so focused on the what, we forget about who am I in Christ and why do I do whatever God does call me to do? Why am I doing it? And so what God did is uh, it was like on a Tuesday night and at supper, uh, uh, my wife or I, we said, hey, there was a, a, a verse that Pastor Huffman mentioned in the sermon on Sunday that really, man, I think it might, it's something we need to talk about. And, and uh, the other one of us said, you know what, there was a verse that really has stuck with me as well. And so we, uh, we got out our sermon notes from that Sunday, and wouldn't you know it, it was the same verse for both of us, and we looked at each other, and it was that verse that I just shared with you. And so my wife and I said, you know what, we know what our life is about. Our life is about helping one more person uh, find Christ. And then we've really realized that uh, both uh, Terry and I, uh, my wife, we've been so blessed by being part of a church family. It's great to be part of God's global family. You know, Brian, that you and I are brothers in Christ. I love that. It's also powerful to be a part of a local church that uh, you can participate in and you rub shoulders with and, 
and uh, uh, that you see hopefully, uh, you know, often, <laughs> and you participate in a mission and in, in reaching people together. Um, and so for us, we really want people, we want every, I want everybody, you know, uh, every house I look at right now, man, I want everyone to know Christ and I want them plugged into a local church. And, you know, whether it's be, uh, you know, we have a lot of folks that are doing church at home now and maybe inviting neighbors. And I mean, I love all of it. I just think it's important to be connected to other believers and those journeying together. So yeah, that had become uh, you know, that's why we moved to Minneapolis and I ended up staying in engineering and we ended up helping out at that church plant. I had no idea that God was going to use that to then plant a church. Uh, and now that we're in transition, we're here in Kansas City now. Um, I've been doing, uh, I do some work out in the business community, uh, do some leadership training, but I'll tell you, I do that. I'm doing a, I'm doing an event for, um, for engineer, uh, for engineering engineers in the state of North Dakota coming up in August. Okay. And, uh, I'll share a little bit of, I'll share, uh, I'll share some faith and I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit of what Jesus taught and I'm not in a pushy way and that's not, but I'll tell you what, my goal is just to, is to connect with people, help them grow. And, uh, through that, through that influence, perhaps they'll find Christ, perhaps they'll get plugged into a local church. And, uh, for me, that would just be an amazing, amazing thing. So that's always at the back of my mind. And I've kind of added a little bit that, you know what, I want to make, I want to make believers more like Christ. I want to make God, would you use me to help your church add one more person well, one more life? And then, uh, I want to make your name to God. Uh, I want more people to join, uh, you know, that, that awesome song, uh, Chris Tomlin, uh, uh, how great are you God? Uh, yeah. sing with me now. Uh, a couple of years ago, Brian, I was at a retreat setting and, uh, guy up on a guitar led us in that song and of course we've been singing that for I don't know seems like many many years yeah. um, with that phrase sing with me now how great is our God and Brian you know what God started bringing the names of people that I love and care about that right now aren't singing with me <laughs> wow they're walking with the Lord that's true and my and, and all of a sudden I was like man I would love nothing more than and some of my friends and family members, God, that right now that aren't singing your name, they 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 use your name in vain a lot more than I I, I would like them to. But right now they aren't singing your praises. We aren't making your name great together. And uh, I can't sing that song now, but it just it it moves me every time. And and what my heart goes to are those who aren't singing with me right now. And uh, and I have a lot of family members that are now with the Lord. Um, just had a few more in the last, uh, in fact, one of a uh, gal from Prairie Heights that was a huge part of our church for, uh, I'd say at least the last 10 years. Uh, she uh, just went to be with the Lord last week and mass. I miss her, I, even though I'm not in Fargo more, anymore. But I just think, you know what, she's singing, she's singing to the Lord now with a whole bunch of saints. Uh, but God reminded me of those that I want to I want them to be a part of that choir here on earth and certainly in eternity. And so, yeah, so Brian, that's kind of what we're up to. I work for a company as well. Uh, okay. uh, I'm teaching a business leadership class at a Lutheran college. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I write a weekly column in the paper and that gives me an opportunity just to, to help people uh, take a step towards God. Uh, I work for a company called Generis that helps with the generosity initiatives. Uh, I think, uh, giving, uh, specifically financially, is so tied to discipleship. Yeah. If we take discipleship seriously, go and make disciples, uh, we've got to talk about that giving. That's, that's, Jesus said, the greatest competition that he has for our heart. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money, the spirit of money, mammon. And so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm just kind of getting going in that. Uh, but I get to hang out with really smart people uh, that I learn from. I'm doing great. Yeah. And, and I just feel like that's part of, uh, I've got, God's opened some doors for me to hang out. And once again, man, I'm just like you. I just ask questions and I learn and I take notes. And then, and then when I show up to Northern Michigan, I just say some things that other people have taught me. And, it's, and hopefully we're all blessed through it, you know? Well, listen, what, what's Ecclesiastes? There's nothing new under the sun. I yeah. used to struggle with that when I first started pastoring, thinking when I come in a hospital room or visit a home where people are struggling you got to have that golden nugget and yeah. you know, it's just always being there but it's also 
anything I say has been said before anyway, so quit stressing about it, right? Yeah. Just go be who you are. Yeah. I've, I've come this far with that, and I don't know who else to be. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I almost feel guilty for taking your time today. You've got about nine different irons in the fire at once, but you're my kind of guy because I appreciate let's make hay while we can, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and you, what I love about you is you have your hand in every kind of aspect of the world. It's not only in the pastures. Everybody's got to have yeah. that element. And faith is who you are. So no matter if you're talking about engineering, it's going to come out. Yeah. Yeah, I had a fun time. Uh, oh, it's been a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago. I did a uh, keynote talk at a tech conference. Uh, it's just something I've always wanted to do and got opened the door. And, yeah. and so I, uh, I just shared a little bit about, I, I always tell people, if you ask me to speak, it's probably going to be around leadership because for me, discipleship and leadership, they work together. And uh, so I did a kind of talked about leadership, shared a little bit about my single mom and what I learned from her. Anyway, I had afterwards, and this was in Billings, Montana, I had a single mom come up to me and she said, you know, I got to tell you, uh, she said, I'm an atheist and I know you're a, a Christian. And, and, you know, when you were introduced, they mentioned that you're a pastor. And so she said, I was very uh, hesitant, uh, you know, wondering what you were going to force. And she said, I just totally, um, she said, I, she said, I still am an atheist and I plan on being an atheist. And, but she said, you know what uh, I do, I have a little boy. And uh, she said, I want him to have uh, an opportunity to either believe in God or uh, like me not believe. So uh, I just want you to know that uh, I really respect your approach today. Either you didn't force anything on us. Sure. You just shared with us. And she said, when you talked about your mom, she said, uh, I, I got emotional because she said, I, I hope my son someday will say some of the things that uh, you said about your mom. And, and uh, you know what, you know, Brian, I don't know her journey. But I just said, thank you, God, as I walked away. You know, thank you, God, that once again, you put me out in a venue where I could just be who you created me to be. And I could just help people and have conversation. And, you know, I used to think evangelism had to do with, uh, man, you got to close the sale, you know? Okay. And, you just, you know. and I don't know. Maybe, and part of it, that's not my personality. But what I love to do, uh, I heard this definition uh, a while back, and it just, I don't know, works for me, is uh, evangelism is just helping people take their next step closer to Jesus. Right. And I feel like for that atheist, uh, that gal, uh, you know what, she was talented and we had a great conversation. I would like to think that as I walked away, uh, you know, maybe she was an inch closer, but sure. there was at least something more that, you know, that uh, she's like, oh, maybe she thinks all Christians are judgmental. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe if nothing else, she's like, well, that that dude didn't seem to be judgmental. <laughs> he seems like a real guy that is yeah. thankful for what his single mom did in his life. And so uh, I love every day, you know, right now, of course, we're also, I feel like I'm at, and I am, I'm at my house now all the time because I'm working from home. And, but I just say, man, God, when I go to the, you know, when I go to the, the little convenience store for a, an Arnie Palmer, a lemonade, iced tea mix, um, maybe it's just asking the, the guy or gal behind the cash register, how their day's been. Uh, maybe that just at least uh, helps them inch a little bit closer to a relationship with Jesus. Sure so, yeah, we're, we're, ha we're good. We're just saying, uh, and you know, Brian, I just decided, you know what, God, um, as you open doors, I'm going to, I'm going to move through them and uh, let's just see, let's see where we end up, uh, you know, down the road. That, that's life that's life with god in general and then is he revelation before you i have an open door no man can shut it or open it he he holds the key to that that's all we're doing that we end up in life walking through god's open doors for sure yeah uh, and by sharing your faith and by but you're not pounding it that lady paid you the greatest compliment yeah. to say hey you just were yourself and shared your life experience and that's going to touch people's heart I come out of a background in, in way back when I was a kid, it was the holy bat, the holy Louisville slugger. And yeah, you're not coming yeah. up until you either have a concussion or you're saved. Yeah. One of the and even yeah. if you're having a concussion, we're still going to pray over you that you you know, put me a scoundrel. I think that came out of a heart of, we got to rescue them. But yeah. at the same time, we don't want to, we don't want to destroy their confidence in who they are. Yeah. It's about how they handle the gentleman at the car wash. Everybody yeah. is a human that deserves that kind of grace. You know, yeah. Yeah, it, 
So Brian, what the Lord's taught me is, and I, I'm so thankful. I love your energy. I love your leadership. I would love to be, uh, if I lived uh, in your neck of the woods, would love to be a part of your church. Uh, I'd have no problem uh, uh, having you uh, uh, leading the church that I was a part of. I, uh, I, and I know your church is what, over a hundred years, a hundred years old. I, I think that's beautiful. We need us new churches. You know, ours was uh, almost 20 years now. Um, we needed to see those hundred-year-old churches still accomplishing what God had, had called uh, them to do. And so I celebrate the, the values and the passion of the past. And so I tell the story of a, there was a man at the, at the Nazarene church of my grandma. They had a heart for evangelism, and uh, Dwight Thurlow was his name. He used to go around town handing out flyers on cars. Yeah. One time I was in high school. <laughs> and we were at the drive-thru of Hardee's and I saw Dwight Thurlow handing out tracks to the cars that were in line and I'm like oh my goodness so I ducked because I was like if he sees me it's going to just be awkward for my friends and I remember him handing in that flyer and uh you know and then my friends kind of talking about it and uh I don't know afterwards I was like should I have been quote embarrassed why didn't I and so I definitely reflected on that but here's the thing uh, I now realize that I maybe I don't uh, I don't evangelize the way Dwight Thurlow did. I do not hand out tracks at Walmart or in my neighborhood. I don't. Mm -hmm. But I do realize that he had a heart for God and for people, and that was how God laid on his heart to to reach people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I I say this. I say that uh, tradition is the living faith of those who have gone to be with the Lord. Right. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living where we simply are going through the motions of what we've always done. And so I love tradition. For me, Dwight Thurlow taught me what it looks like to have a passion for evangelism. I'd like to think that I, when we move, I, I'd like to think that I have that same passion that Dwight Thurlow. Now I do it differently, right. but tradition says, I need to watch and remember what Dwight Thurlow did, and I need to have that same value, that same passion. Right. Traditionalism for me would mean, oh, he handed out tracks. I need to hand out tracks. Amen. That's Amen. that's to me that's dead. That's dead faith. Meaning I just do it because we've always done it. <laughs> right. That's right. I, that's a great. I didn't mean to yell. Right, but you got me excited. I almost turned into jumping for joy here because you're right. I think we get those confused. Great yeah. people have come before me and been great examples but I don't do what they do. I have the passion they do and I serve the yep. same God. That's good. Yep. And I hope people will come along and uh, do the same thing for us, right? They don't need to be right. us. Yeah. I mean, we, there's already two of us, but they need to be who they are, you know? Uh, so but, good. Yeah. So good. That's yeah, good. I used to really struggle with that. I used to compare myself for many years because I was this shy introvert and I'd look at someone like you that meets people well and speaks and, you know, I can only imagine, like, if I hang out with you, how you're mingling and meeting people, and I'd be like, God, I can't do that. <laughs> That's why I can't be a pastor. That's why, and there were times where I even felt like I was a, a not a good Christian because I, you know, uh, I thought I was supposed to hand out tracts. Yeah. And when I, and I was like, I must not be a good Christian, you know, I, I still remember, uh, and I think it's important to pray in the morning, but you know, you hear the stories of those who get up early and they pray for an hour, you know what? I'm not a morning person. I never have been. No. I am a night owl. And the mornings, honestly, for me, simply to start, it takes me about an hour. My mom used to say, John, I learned that I just needed to leave you alone for the first hour you're awake. And she said, when you took naps as a kid, like I used to think like, come on, John, we got to run errands or it's time for supper. And you would be crabby. And she's like, I learned that you are a slow. And I remember her telling me that. And maybe it was self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's still that way. And so uh, when my wife and I were first married, she loves to talk in the morning. And it was like, oh, like, Terry, I just need quiet. And we laugh about it now because we had to figure that out. I had no idea that people talk in the morning because <laughs> my family knew not to talk to me, you know. And then, of course, in college, I, I had a little apartment uh, by myself. And so I always had quiet mornings until, you know, all of a sudden, age 23, I'm married. But I say all that, uh, I realized that Prayer for me uh, was going to look differently. I love going on prayer walks. Sure. I, I love, in fact, uh, I haven't found, uh, I had a baseball dugout 
actually, uh, as a church planter, there was a baseball dugout. I love baseball. I used to go and pray in this dugout. And I had some specific ways. And I would actually walk the bases. And I had some specific ways that I prayed uh, when I did that. Uh, I had a, a, a spot at a park that I used to, uh, I just felt close to God when I went there. And so uh, I haven't found that spot. Uh, we've been in this house for three weeks. Um, but I'm looking for it because I know there's going to be a spot where God's going to just and so for me as an introvert, that is how, uh, for me, that's a big part of my prayer life. I love writing index cards and walking with index cards and I flip them. So, you know, whatever, I just realized that, you know what, I can't, uh, I want to hear how Brian prays because there's things that I can learn, but I'm not going to do it the way Brian's going to do it. There are principles. You know, I tell people you need a place, you need a time and you need a plan. Yeah. And so, uh, and of course, when you move like we did it's it's it may be different because it's got to fit in with your schedule and your family and so anyway but yeah there were so many times and i don't think it was intentional i think it was way i just heard how someone did something or i watched and i was like oh i got to do that i can't do that yeah. um but god really freed me in my uh i was about age 20 25 26 and uh, all of a sudden god said john what i'm asking you to do is be the best version of you Amen. I'll tell you, Brian, uh, that changed me. It, uh, it changed me. And so I said, God, if, if you ever call me to full-time ministry, I'm not going to be anyone other than who you call me to be. And so I used to tell our church, and I'll, I, I think I told the Northern Michigan pastors, I'm not a professional speaker. I'm not a professional pastor. I'm a guy on a journey. I'll yeah. share with you things that I've learned, things I'm learning. Uh, we'll have conversation. I, I certainly don't have all the answers. Uh, I'll learn things from you. Um, and so that was kind of my mindset is uh, yeah. who I am, who I am Monday at noon and Friday at five is going to be who I am Sunday morning when we're gathered together. And, um, and that's what people need to see. They don't want two different Johns. They don't need, you know, Pastor John and then Dad John and Husband yeah. John. You're John Hauser. That's who you are. Yeah. And I saw, you know, I, I had... Uh, you know, God, I have a lot of family members that uh, were pastors. I've kind of been in a lot of, uh, I guess, pastors' homes. I've met a lot of kids whose dads or moms were pastors. And and one of the things for those that have some real wounds, it was when they saw kind of two different sides of mom and dad. Uh, they saw the dad. Uh, I've just heard that story a lot, as well as uh, moms and dads who were like uh, lay leaders or elders, church board members, and other uh, faith traditions. And I'm still thinking about, in fact, as I say this, I'm thinking of a gal that said, you know, her dad was, uh, you know, he was an elder at their church and, uh, you know, he would read scripture before the sermon. He wasn't the pastor. He was what we would call probably a board member, a leader. And, and then she said, John, in our house, he uh, would yell and he was violent. And she said, but on Sunday, and so she goes, I, she said, that was why I walked away from faith. She's like, I saw these two sides of my dad. And I'm like, well, that, I don't need that. I don't want that, you know? And, uh, and I, yeah, so I see a lot of wounds from that. Um, you know, as you know, man, ministry can just consume us. Yeah. And uh, I was there for longer than what I probably would like to admit and probably even realize, but I, uh, I made some real changes uh, a number of years in at Prairie Heights. And I just said, I, you know, I, I started, I, I just started uh, some ways of really uh, leaving my work at the office. And when I came home, I was just with my family. And, and uh, you know, there were times where I, yep, uh, where I would uh, was much more quick to, to leave the office and just when my family needed me and I was present with them and canceled some meetings. I just really limited the number of nights I was gone, limited to one night a week. And, um, and then, of course, we once we started having staff, I, uh, you know, there were times where John wasn't available for a wedding, a funeral, uh, a hospital call. There were others that that God, including, uh, you know, we had lay members that uh, uh, would also provide that care and provide that presence. And so, is it a role to some degree we all play in? And I said, you, you can agree or disagree, but around here at Prairie Heights, it's, it isn't a person. It's going to be a role that we all play. And so if your small group leader shows up at the hospital, it's no different than if, if Pastor John, um, that we all want to 
we all want to value our families and and uh, you know there are some things that just really compromised our family and so I uh, as my role got narrower there were just some tighter boundaries I gave to some other things and so um, yeah so boy when God gives us the freedom to be who he's called us to be and and, and, and truly to set some boundaries uh, for the congregation um, and for ourselves. <laughs> you hear that, and it's, it's very much easier said than done, but the, I hear the, the freedom and the relief in your voice saying yeah. that's something I still have to get better at. Um, I probably spent more time earlier more afraid. Now I'm not, but then that also, you're not afraid, and you're more into the Lord's will. Then it opens up more doors. You get more. My kids are older but yep. not out of the house yet. So it's like, I just yep. feel like this half the time. So there's, yep. you, you, what you say rings true for sure. Yeah. John, I can talk to you for eight hours. Well. <laughs> you're going to come back. Okay. I want you to come back again and talk again. Yeah. Uh, do that. When we get off of here, he's going to beat me into shape for about three minutes. <laughs> so, uh, everybody has a difference in me, but um, brother, I can't thank you for your time today enough. And thank you for what you're doing for our district. Uh, sewing into our pastors and all of us, but I hope this is a beginning of a great friendship between two of us for sure. I enjoy yeah. being around. Well, thank you, and I uh, you are welcome, and I appreciate your leadership. Thank you for what you do uh, for your community and church, and for God's kingdom, and for the Church of Nazarene. Uh, I love I love pastors Brian. I'm so thankful for you, and uh, yeah, thank you for leading the way of a, a in a local church. It, it it's truly significant work uh, that God's called you to. Well, thank you because you know what it takes and now you're going to help invest and that's there's no greater love than that so i appreciate that from from my standpoint too so thank you very much uh look up you still have your you have johnhauser.com is that is that still open there you know johnhauser.com uh i haven't kept it quite as fresh but yeah you can watch sermons there you can uh, my columns that i write in the uh the newspaper are there yeah um and uh, yeah, it's just gotten a little bit out of date because now uh, my admin person is me. And so I just need to, uh, but it, everything that's out there is uh, uh, sermons and uh, columns and just projects I'm working on. So absolutely. And, and that's J-O-N for John, yes. H-A-U-S-C-R for Hauser. Yes. We'll make sure we put that up with this when uh, Emily does all the, the post editing and get this all looking good. So. Uh, remember, everybody, if you've got ideas for the podcast or comments or prayer requests, it's uh, Grovecast2, the number two, all lowercase, G-R-O-V-E-C-A-S-T-2 dot uh, at gmail.com. Okay, so send those in. We do check those. I can't do anything about the host space, but we can continue to get uh, better looking guests like we have on today. Uh, so we can appreciate that side of it for sure. So, John, thanks a lot for spending time with us today. I appreciate you. God bless you. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation.